it. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed road episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers fall by nine points, 68 to 59, to the Ohio State Buckeyes. The loss drops Indiana to 15 and 7 on the season, 5 and 6 in the conference. And, you know, it was just another one of those second halves where Indiana, for a long stretch, was just unable to get anything going offensively. Ohio State at one point pushed the lead out all the way to 18. And to Indiana's credit, they were able to battle back, get this thing within single digits. We've certainly seen other road games where they have just completely faltered and not fallen back. So if you want to take a small bit of solace in the second half performance, you can look at that. But ultimately, it was another non-competitive road game for these Indiana Hoosiers, uh, and they fall again uh, in disappointing fashion. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and our special guest co-host today, Mark Titus from the Titus and Tate podcast. And we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way we start every show. And that is with our banner moment. And, you know, really just not a lot of moments to choose uh, today for Indiana. Uh, but I'm going to go back to the second half when it was 51-37. to 37 And Jerome Hunter, who had already made a three-pointer earlier in the second half, had a nice little drive, took some contact, made the shot, uh, and then was able to make the free throw. And at a time when things weren't really going right for Indiana, not a lot of energy, Jerome really provided, you know, a little bit of a spark, showed that enthusiasm that we like to see from him. That ended up being his ninth point of the game. But what I liked even more than that bucket from him and kind of the offensive versatility that it showed was on the next defensive possession down. I thought he had one of his best possessions just in terms of being aware and his positioning on defense and stopping a cutter. It was a stark contrast from what we saw in the first half. The one play, especially, you know, when he <clears throat> just got caught completely watching the ball, uh, Arns went back door on him for a wide open layup. Um, it was nice improvement within the game for Jerome. And I think as we go forward in this season, you know, I think we've now reached the point, you know, with this team, with Jerome's health, with his development and with the play of some other guys that I think you have to play him as many minutes as he can handle because what he gives offensively with his inside-outside ability as a shooter uh, and just the consistent energy and enthusiasm he brings. He makes mistakes. He you know, he loses his awareness sometimes on both offense and defense. That's going to happen for a freshman. But he brings skills that not a lot of other guys have, and he doesn't make mistakes of effort. He's always playing hard. He always seems like he's having fun out there. And for a team that just seems to really struggle to bring that on a game-in, game-out basis – you notice it when he's out there on the court, and hopefully, you know, obviously, you know, Indiana missed him in the Penn State game. He was ill. He was able to get back into it today, and so on a day when there weren't many bright spots for Indiana, I thought Jerome uh, was at least one of them. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad that remains based in Indianapolis. And they have over 60-plus schools on their website. But IU was their first school. They remain huge supporters of IU Athletics. And, you know, So certainly you should go check out their website for that reason. But the most important reason that you should go to Home Field Apparel and that you should buy one of their T-shirts or one of their long-sleeve tees or one of their crew necks or one of their hoodies is that, number one, they have the most comfortable material that you are going to find. It is just so comfortable. It maintains its comfort even after you wash it. And they have unique logos that you're not going to find anywhere else, from the Script Indiana to the Bison logo uh, to the Shoes basketball logo. If you're an IU football fan, they obviously have a lot of IU football logos that they rolled out during this season. So it's comfortable. It's unique. You're supporting IU grads and an Indiana-based business. So many reasons to go to Home Field Apparel and get that gear. And because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout, and you will get 20% off your entire order. 
That's assembly20 for 20% off your order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. Get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And ladies and gentlemen, we will start with a man who grew up an IU fan. He went to Ohio State. He hosts the Ron Artest of College Basketball Podcast because it keeps changing its name. He is Mark Titus. Mark, what are your opening thoughts on uh, uh, this Indiana-Ohio State game? I don't understand why you guys are so sad. You guys seem very somber about what just happened. Um, <laughs> Ohio State has Ohio State looked like the best team in the country when I went and saw them play in Vegas against uh, Kentucky. John Calipari said that we were the best team in the country. Ever since then, the wheels have completely fallen off. Our only two wins since that game have been, I think, against Nebraska and Northwestern, which don't even count. Um, this is the best Ohio State has played since I saw them in Vegas, and that was December 21st, and it is now February. So basically the entire month of January was pretty horrible, uh, and the Buckeyes are back. So I, I personally don't have a problem with what happened. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do cheer for Indiana. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to my shtick or my, uh, my, my background, I, cheer for, I will cheer for Indiana every single time they play, except when they play Ohio State. So this is, it's always a conflicting day for me to, uh, to cheer against the Hoosiers, but uh, I'm happy with the result today for sure. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you are. A much-needed win for the Buckeyes. All right, Ryan, over to you. I have a feeling that your thoughts on this game will be much more somber than Mark's were. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Mark, but shut up now. Um, <laughs> no, uh, look, the, the issue for me in this one was that Indiana just got outworked. and They got outworked. They got out-hustled. They, they had a lack of focus. I mean, when you give up 11 offensive rebounds, look, I know Caleb Wesson's really good, and when he has a good game, it's tough to stop him. But the dude had five offensive rebounds, and and uh, Ohio State had eleven for a team in Indiana where one of their big things is rebounding. Rebounding is effort and focus, and just staying with your guy and staying in front of your guy between your guy and the ball. Occasionally, you're going to get some long rebounds that bounce funny, and you can't do anything about that. But this was just an effort thing for Indiana and I, all all day, and and it was uh, embarrassing to watch as an Indiana fan. You just, cause Indiana is supposed to be a team that outworks other teams. It's supposed to do the fundamentals. Well, it's supposed to, you know, uh, focus on the glass and focus on, on the paint and all those things got beaten in the paint. Uh, what was it? Oh, I guess it wound up being 26 to 20. It was wider than that till the end. Uh, you know, Ohio state hit 10 threes and beat them in the paint. I mean, there's no, you can't win when you do that. You just can't. And, so Indiana really had nothing to hang their hat on in this game. And they came out and, you know, the first couple of minutes looked like they were going to make it a game. And then as the first half went on, it was clear it was going to be one of those road games where Indiana just kind of wilts and, and falls apart. And we've seen it repeatedly this year and repeatedly the last two years that Indiana just can't maintain its focus for 40 minutes, can't maintain its toughness. And, and the effort just isn't there. When the effort isn't there from guys who aren't talent, talented enough to win on talent alone, uh, that's that's a problem, and that's that you're going to get beat in conference, and and you know the the final score wound up Lincoln. It looked a lot closer than it really was. I mean, this felt like a 20 point game. It wound up being 68 59. But let's be real; those were a lot of garbage time points being scored by Indiana. So you've got this team that could have been 16 and four, had a six point lead with a minute 10 to go against Maryland, and blew that game at home, which was inexcusable. And then goes on the road and doesn't show up against Penn State in the second half and doesn't really show any effort today, you got a three-game losing streak. And now you've got a week off before you face Purdue. And who knows what can happen in a Purdue game? You never know what's going to happen against your rivals. So this could be a really, really bad situation for Indiana. And they need to use this week to, to really refocus. And I think Archie Miller needs to send a message that a lack of effort is not going to be tolerated anymore. 
and it has been honestly for part of the year because he has no options in the backcourt and he has you know had dealt with injuries up front but at this point you can't it's it's this far into the season you can't have performances like this yeah so you know mark you mentioned that you know ohio state played as well as they've played in over a month today and and i'm curious what you know as you were watching this game did this look more like ohio state playing really well or indiana playing bad a combination of both because to me especially in the first half you know we know about indiana's offensive struggles they've had them all year but i really thought defensively i was really disappointed in indiana in the first half it felt like ohio state was you know moving the ball you know they were moving and cutting and basically just waiting for indiana to screw up and indiana would you know either just because of a lack of focus or just not getting out quick enough and that was that to me is where the game was lost and it was really disappointing yeah. I think it was a combination of both, but I think it started with Indiana's effort. I think uh, Ohio State started getting some easy stuff, started getting their their flow going. Um, Caleb plays well. Feels like every time Caleb plays Indiana, he has a good game. Um, but it, some of the other guys, I mean, last last time we played Indiana, we were throwing the ball all over the gym at Assembly Hall this year. Uh, and and I think like having having Indiana kind of come out flat and things were kind of going well for Ohio State. You could just see our guys' confidence going through the roof. Like we didn't shoot the ball that well in the first half at all. No. But we, we could get the ball wherever we wanted and we knew that those shots were going to fall in the second half, it looked like. And um yeah, I think it started with Indiana's effort. And and I think like to, to your point, like we, we I've come on this program. I don't know how many years in a row we've been doing this where I come on after the Ohio State game. And I feel like I'm a broken record. First of all, I feel like I pick I, I always pick the right game to come on because I, I, I do feel like Ohio State wins more often than that. <laughs> Um, but, but it, I feel like a broken record. Cause we always talk about like the, the staples of Indiana basketball that have to be, that are non-negotiable to people. And, and this has been an interesting season for me to, to watch Indiana because, um, when I talk to my family and friends that, that are Indiana fans, like the sky is falling. I, I guess that's kind of the perpetual state of Indiana basketball fandom at this point. Um, it's, it's, like, yeah, it's been that way for 30 years now. Yeah. Right. Much. But you look at like like Indiana is not they don't have any bad losses this year. The Hoosier like every team that Indiana's lost to is probably going to make the tournament. Um, I know that's not we don't want to hang a banner for that. That's not something we're exactly like you know, sure shooting fireworks over. But it's not like you know they're not losing to Stephen F. Austin at home. Like Duke I mean, it does represent progress, sadly. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, but so so you want to understand like why is it that the fan base is so uh, frustrated? Like what is it about this team then? Because it feels like. If you're an outsider looking in, it feels like things are kind of progressing. But the two things, and I, I will say this always about Indiana, that are non-negotiable is is effort, and that is something that 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 Ryan, as Ryan said, like every Indiana team for for that all of us grew up watching is busting their ass out there. So anytime like Indiana is not bringing an effort, it is the alarm bells are going off. And number two, it's very very bizarre to watch an Indiana team struggle shooting the ball so badly because that is like the one thing I live out in California now. I have to explain to people why basketball matters to me, especially college basketball so much, because it does not matter to these people out here. Um, and and even UCLA being as great as they are, people don't care about college basketball here. So I have to explain. I'm like, yeah, I grew up in Indiana. Like, what is what is Indiana basketball? I was like, it's, have you seen the movie Hoosiers? Jimmy Chitwood. Like, shooting. Shooting is what Indiana does well. Just don't watch Indiana this year. That's uh, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's really bizarre because that those those to me are two things that like every if you're turning the game on, it's like Indiana could be. Could, could win 10 games a season, but you know they're going to play hard. You know they're going to have guys out there that can at least shoot. That Maybe they can't move their feet. Maybe they can't touch the rim. But damn it, they can hit threes and, and, and they can move the ball. And uh, it's bizarre to see a team that can't do that. But on the other side, they do enough well that, like, I don't think this Indiana team is horrible. They're going to make the tournament comfortably, I think. Um, 
they're still better than the Big Ten that Ohio State is currently. And, and Ohio State, yeah. I think, is much more talented in terms of like raw talent on the roster. So uh, it, it, it's an interesting season for sure. Well, so I think you kind of hinted at something that's really important because you're right. Indiana's 15 and seven. They're five and six in the conference, but they've got some home games left. I mean, they are still on track for essentially what we all thought was the standard for this season, which is to make an NCAA tournament. And that's an important macro point to make. But to your point, Indiana has no bad losses, but they've lost badly. And I think that's the issue for fans is there are times in a game offensively where it feels like we don't have a clue and we don't know what we're doing. And then, you know, as soon as you get comfortable with something being a strength like the rebounding, because today Indiana was 7 of 12 from 3, 14 of 18 from the free throw line. If you told me that, I would have thought we were winning this game. And then they come out, and the one thing that they've really been able to do, rebound, they can't yeah, even do. Even in bad losses, they've rebounded. Yeah. And, you know? and you know, and then the other thing that they've tried to hang their hat on, which is defense, because that, look, Archie, you know, he's wanted the identity of this program to be, we're going to be hard-nosed on defense. You know, we're going to rebound. We're going to do those little things. And today, to just not see it there, I'm curious as a guy who played for Archie, who you know who knows Archie, and you know can see this from a former player's perspective. Like, are you surprised that Indiana still has those issues? Do you think that's more of a personnel thing or a coach thing? And what can he do about it? I I, I don't think it's a coach thing. I mean, I'll, I'll defend Archie more than most because I I love Arch, but uh, I I do know that that is like I mean part of the reason that Indiana can't shoot is because Arch emphasizes rebounding and defense and toughness. Like he he's that kind of guy. That's that's his DNA. So like at a certain point, I'm sure. I mean, they were showing shots of him on the sideline. He looked like he just had no clue what to do today. He's like, I I don't know what else to tell these guys. At one point, he threw up his hands and sat on the <laughs> yeah. bench. Like he yeah, just you're, was yeah, like, you're oh. like. And and I think I think it's really easy to to blame coaches for a lot of this stuff, but I, I think effort is always the one thing. Um, when, whenever there's a problem with effort, it's it it for me at least it always will fall on the players because uh, that that is like non negotiable. That is as you said, even in bad losses this year, Indiana still plays hard, and I think that's something that like. I, I I don't know that I, I I shouldn't speak for all Indiana fans, but I feel like that is that is something that um I like to I like to envision a world where like Indiana can lose and IU fans can still be okay with it because they're like we played hard today, shots just weren't falling, or like a guy on the other team was just hot, um that sort of thing. But when you have days like this where there's just no effort, it it really does leave a bad taste in your mouth. And um I don't necessarily think that's a coaching thing because just knowing Arch and being around Arch. I mean, this is a guy, the, the one story I've told ad nauseum about Archie when I, when I was at Ohio state playing for him was uh, he, he was the only coach I ever had in my life that treated me the exact same as every other player, which is to say that like, usually we would be going through drills and all the other coaches would say like, Titus, you can just go sit on the side. Like we don't really need you for this one. And Arch would be like, get your ass. In. If you're on the team, you're doing this drill and I am going to scream at you. Like you're the all American on the team. I don't care who you are. Um, he was that way at all times. And, and I assume he's the same way coaching at Indiana. So uh, I, I don't think it's like arts, you know, I don't think his pregame speech was like, go out there and just kind of have some fun today, guys. I think his pregame speech was probably like, play your ass off. And I don't think the message got through today for whatever reason. Well, and, you know, this kind of leads to the conversation that we've been having. We talked about it last night or two nights ago on our radio show, Ryan, which is, you know, at what point is enough enough? And at what point do you just, you know, do you sit guys down and do you say, look, this is not up to the standard. And if we have to play, you know, if we have to put walk-ons in there when, you know, when the game is out of hand or whatever, like we don't, we've, we haven't come up with a good answer for it. We just know that it kind of feels like there are times in these games it's like, okay, this is substandard. We know what we're watching isn't up to the standard that this needs to be, and yet it doesn't really feel like there are consistent 
consequences from a playing time perspective? Like, do you think that that fans overrate that kind of stuff, or do you think that you know? And and you don't want to overreact when a team is five and seven, and you still have all those goals in front of you. So we're trying to keep it in perspective, and yet you keep having these kind of performances on the road. So we're just kind of searching for answers for how that gets better. Yeah, I, I think uh, the other thing we got to do is take this entire season into context and just look at the whole landscape of college basketball, which is that, I mean, it, Indiana has the problems with consistency, obviously, but this is this is this is true of every team in the country. This is uh, it's become very frustrating for a guy like me who uh, is supposed to like cling to narratives and, and you're looking for things that you can uh, just comfortably decide that like this is a this is a universal truth of this season of college basketball that like like for last year for example no matter how many games duke loses we know that that duke team with zion and all those guys is going to have to be reckoned with come march at some point someone's gonna have to reckon with all that this year i have no idea nobody has any idea so i feel like i mean the silver lining in this for indiana fans would be and and i'm kind of like trying to remind myself of this ohio state fan as this guy who watched ohio state as I said, when we beat Kentucky, I was like, we're the best team in the country. We're going to win the title. And it's been kind of up and down since then, mostly down. Um, you kind of have to step back and realize that this is just a really, really bizarre season. And, I mean, Indiana would, would be, in my in my view, Indiana is by far the fourth best team in the ACC, if you think about it that way. <laughs> like, yeah. the ACC is horrible. If I said it like that, you'd be like, I don't know, that's a pretty good season, right? That Indiana, <laughs> if they were in the ACC, they'd probably be the fourth best team. Um but and it's just that's just kind of the landscape of college basketball for whatever reason. The line moved back. I don't know if that's why Indiana's missing so many shots. But you look around the country, some of these box scores, you only have to watch the games. Just pull up any, just pick any random box score and look at the three point shooting percentage. It's horrible. Uh, a lot of teams are struggling with shooting. A lot of teams are struggling with uh, roster turnover, and they're transferring is obviously some people say epidemic. Whatever it is, it's it's going up at a higher rate. It's kind of creating some turnover. Um, so the sport is just in a weird place. And, and I think when you step, stop and look back at that, uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of digest where Indiana's arrived. I know IU fans don't want to hear that, but um, yeah. it's not like this is a problem that is unique to Indiana. This is not, it's not like Indiana fans are scratching their heads and every other fan base is like, thank God we have it figured out because our team is rolling. You know, um, Every single team is like, what is this season and, and what the hell is going to happen in March? And that's great because I think like that's why I kind of I'm, I'm falling back on IU is definitely going to make the tournament. I mean, knock on wood, barring some catastrophe, they're going to be comfortable in the tournament. I really do feel like this is the one season I remember in my life that simply making the tournament is fine because – I mean, I'm looking at it like Ohio, Ohio State's projected to be an eight or a nine seed right now. I'm looking my lips thinking, I, I hope to God we get put in San Diego State's bracket and we get to play them. Hey, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> we San be, Diego native here. So. Well, San Diego State has 2014 Wichita State written all over them where they played That's Kentucky true. in the second round. And uh, it, it's, Ohio State, I don't know. Ohio State is much more talented than San Diego State. But For sure. the point is, is like the gap between the guys at the top and like even – the the 50th best team is is very very small this year so um i don't know i'm just trying to talk everyone off a ledge don't don't get caught up in like one game because i really feel like i mean i mean i use lost three in a row um and typically in a college basketball season the team loses three in a row it's cause for panic it's like oh my god this the season is going off the rails but uh if you look around the country it's like I mean, is there a single fan base? There is. Is there? Are there more than five fan bases right now? They're like, I really like where we're at. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there are. So, yeah. Well, it's worth it's worth noticing on and that uh, sort of line of thinking that Wisconsin is hammering Michigan State right now at home. So, well, they're up. Yeah. I guess I guess they're up nine now in the second and, half. But 
Two two days big. ago, two days ago, Wisconsin fans thought this guy was falling because Brad Davison suspended. Kobe King is transferring. Uh, Greg Gard yeah. has to get fired. I mean, that, that's just what college basketball. It's. it's I mean, I'm, we just if we just come I'm out next definitive take because as soon as you do, you're yeah. an idiot. Two days later, you know. Well, it's you know, it's part of the challenge of what we do doing a post game show after every game is you kind of dive into the macro, you know, the micro elements yeah. of the game. And if it was a bad game, it's going to sound very negative. But we all know, you know, Indiana goes out, plays really well against Purdue next week, and gets that win. You can get the momentum going back. You know, this has just been a particularly bad stretch because of the collapse against Maryland and two straight road losses where I think Indiana fans were just like, literally, I think, look, we all hope that we would win one of these games clearly, but I think more than Especially anything after the Maryland loss. Yes. But I think more than anything, what Indiana fans wanted out of these two games. And I even saw it, you know, I put up a poll in our community. It was like, let's just go compete for 40 minutes and have a chance to win at the end, even if we lose. And to not do that and to not really show a lot of progress on the road is, I think, why people are pretty disappointed right right now. But we have more home games than road games coming up. So that's that's the positive to take away. Here's the the disappointing thing from an Indiana fan uh, that I've noticed, and I've noticed from a lot of Indiana fans, is the upperclassmen provide no consistency or leadership. And that's... Yes, that's what you lean on at Indiana. You know, you lean on those guys. But even if they're, you know, when Cody Zeller was a sophomore, it felt like he was an upper class because he was a guy you could lean on. And and Victor Oladipo, when he was a junior, you felt like you could lean on that guy at any time. Jordan Hulls was that way as well. I'm just obviously talking about recent history. But I mean, you get no consistency out of Al Durham, Justin Smith. I mean, even Joey Brunk the last couple of games where we beat Michigan state. Everybody was like, that's the guy you're leaning on. You know, like he's, he's tough. He'll always compete. He's been awful the last two games. I mean, straight up awful. And you know, guys go through bad stretches, obviously, but Devonte green, no consistency. Deron Davis. I felt like can give you some good minutes, maybe a 10 good minutes in a game. I thought that, you know, he's been up and down all year. It's, it's just, it's really hard when you're a team that has young players, I think who have bought into what Archie's doing and young players who appear to be slowly improving, like a Jerome Hunter. Race Thompson looked really good against Michigan State. Of course, he wound up injured again because that's just the way this program has been lately is snake-bitten. Trace Jackson Davis, guys like that who can do things and clearly are bought in and, and, and everything. And then you've got this group of upperclassmen who seem to be almost playing on a different team. And it's and you don't get the consistency out of them. And of course, I mean, we know Rob Finnessy's kind of banged up, but you're not getting consistency out of him game to game. It, I think that's was the most disappointing thing to Indiana fans is again today, you just got nothing from your upperclassmen as far as consistency goes. And that you can't win on the road without consistency from your leadership and to have no leadership and, and, you know, guys look to those guys for effort, for diving on the floor, for whatever it is. And you're not seeing it. And I think that's what is sort of like Archie's had these guys for this is third season. Is he going to be able to change them? The answer is probably no, uh, because they just are who they are. But at some point, I think that you've got to either just take those guys off the floor or, you know, get some, find a way to get something out of them consistently, because without that, you're not going to win long term. That's a great point. Uh, and, and, and one thing I think stands out between Indiana and Ohio State from, you know, these are the two teams I've watched the most all season is. Ohio State, even when Ohio State is struggling and the whole month of January is basically a struggle, I knew watching every game that Caleb Wesson and probably Andre Wesson were both going to 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 play certain right. like maybe not well, not awesome, but they were gonna they were gonna bring it um to a certain level. And and yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Ryan. There's like 
watching Indiana, you have no idea what's going to happen in any given game. Who's going to step up? Who's going to not? Um, and th- that is frustrating. I think it's, it's like worked out more often than not that like two or three guys find a way to step up, but there's not that one guy that you're like, all right, we got Purdue next week. We got a week off. We have Purdue. It's going to be at home. We know for sure that these two guys are going to bring it. Um, you can't say that right now. And that is kind of a frustrating spot to be in. Yeah. For any, I mean, it would be for any team, you know, cause you, you just yeah. have to lean on those guys, especially in college basketball and guys are 18. They got to have somebody to look up to and set the example. Yep. All right, let's take a break here. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's nine-point loss to Ohio State. We'll point out today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call with special guest host, Mark Titus. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Mark Titus from the Titus and Tate podcast. You may remember him from Grantland, from The Ringer. Uh, Now with Fox, he is here joining us to break down Indiana's nine-point loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, guys, it's time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, the one that really stood out for me is in the second half with about eight and a half minutes to go, and you're kind of in that spot where if Indiana's going to make a run, it's got to come right now. And Al Durham drove in, and he'd had a couple of nice drives earlier in the game, whereas we've been talking about, you know, when he drives and actually looks to score and looks to shoot instead of just to get fouled, good things happen because he's a, you know, actually a pretty good finisher. Uh, but he drives in and you know, certainly looked like he had a good opportunity to shoot the ball, but at the last second decides to try a little dump off pass. It gets deflected. So instead of it being, you know, maybe 52 to 42 or maybe getting fouled and having some free throws, Ohio state's got the ball. They go to the other end. They make a three. I think it was, you know, one of those two threes that Arns made back to back. And at that point it was 55 to 40. And to me, just viscerally, it kind of felt like game over. Um, not that it ever felt like Indiana was really coming back, but it felt like that was kind of like their last chance. Ohio State would make another three right after that, a 13-4 to run. And, you know, Mark, what, what this really indicated to me, and it's an issue Indiana's had all year with guards and their playmaking. And, you know, look, Indiana's guards are limited. They aren't great shooters. You know, they, they can do some things, but it just feels like at times they have opportunities to make a play and it's like they shy away from it sometimes. You know, whether it's Rob Finnessy having an open lane, but being a little skittish to drive in and kicking it out, or whether it's Al, you know, not shooting, you know, that shot. Or on the other end, Devontae Green at times trying to do too much. Our guards have just really struggled, especially on the road, to find that balance between being aggressive, being playmakers, just going out and you know, going out to make basketball plays, and then just being real reticent and making a, a play like that, that really just kills you and stops any momentum. So, you know, that Al's just got to go up and shoot that ball. And it just, it really kills this team. And it makes it really hard to get any offensive continuity on the road when you can't count on your guards. I wish Rob Fennessy had Devontae Green's confidence and Devontae Green had Rob don't we, confidence. Yeah, don't <laughs> we <switched>. all. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, I've, the older I get, the more college basketball I watch. And I think back on like my playing days, because I, I was probably, especially once I got to college, I was probably the least confident guy on earth. And not that I would have gotten minutes of Ohio State or anything, but I, I think back to it because like 
I was probably better than I, I realized I was just so I, I, I was a walk on. So I was like, I can't shoot in practice. I can't, I, I just got to stay out of the way the whole time. And I think back on like guys who are good that, that aren't that good, if that makes sense, like don't have a ton of talent, but like find yeah. ways to produce. And, and I really think it's like such a huge skill to have in, to, for a college basketball player to know exactly how good you are. Cause there are guys, you have a guy like Devonte green who at times, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Rain it in. You're not as good as you think you are. Like, we need to dial it back. And then I feel that way watching Rob Fantasy. I think Rob Fantasy is, is really, really talented. He could be one of the best guards in the Big Ten. Uh, he could develop into that, certainly. Um, but it doesn't look like Rob Fantasy believes that. It looks like Rob Fantasy is is content with, like, just kind of being out there and pointing guys in the right direction, throwing a pass and, and kind of staying out of the way. Moving um, it side to side. Yeah, and, mo- moving it. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he wants to – someone, someone told him a long time ago that the point guard is the st- – the, the straw that stirs the drink. And that's just what he's trying to do is just kind of like, I get out there, I play a little defense and it's like, Rob, we need someone who can shoot. That's, that's what we need. We need some scoring out here. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting thing too, because I, I feel like the best teams are the teams where every single guy knows exactly, not just knows his role, but he knows exactly how good at his role he is and, and, and when to be aggressive and when not to be. And, and, um, and I think Ohio State had a problem with that, honestly. Like as I was watching Ohio State play throughout January, there was a lot of like uh, uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it was like an ego problem, but I think a lot of guys were. And after we beat Kentucky and after we had soared to the heights we'd soared to or whatever, a lot of guys seemed to think like I'm the reason we're playing so well because it was true. Like part of the reason that made Ohio State so good was that we were pretty deep, and every single guy I think at the time we had like seven or eight guys averaging eight or nine points a game. Um, and then the problem became is every single one of those seven or eight guys was like, I'm the reason we're winning. So I'm going <laughs> to flew too close to the yeah, sun. Yeah. Instead of average eight or nine, I'm, we're going to average 11 or 12. And it was like, we can't have that. There's only one ball. Someone's got to set screens out here, guys. So um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I will say, you know, something else that stood out to me in the second half is, you know, Rob knocked down a couple of shots. He knocked down that three early. Uh, he had like a 17 footer late. And they were probably two of the most confident shots that he's taken. And I was kind of hoping that he would step up more. You know, sometimes he gets it and you can tell he's hesitating for like a split second. Both of those shots were just in rhythm. He took them. He can be, he's never going to be an elite shooter, but he's a good shooter when he's confident and in rhythm. So if, you know, and that's what we saw the first half against Ohio State at home when he knocked down those three threes. So if he can maybe carry some of that confidence from those shots, although you know, then he didn't take another shot for like 13 minutes. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I'm grasping at straws here, well, but you can that tell would be such a huge he, element for this team. Yeah, when sometimes when he goes up, you can tell he's trying to guide it into the basket instead of just ripping the shot off, you know, just snapping the wrist and, 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 and firing it off with confidence. That's the one thing Jerome Hunter does, and he's done it even when he was bricking them early in the season. He just goes up and snaps off his shot. It goes in, it goes in, you know, and uh, he's got that confidence, and even when he wasn't making them, and probably didn't have reason for confidence, Finnessy doesn't have that. And that's you're right, Mark. He needs to really develop that. I can do this kind of attitude, and and the attitude that you know that I am good at this, and and this is something where I need to be a guy who goes and makes a difference, as opposed to just kind of as you said, the guy who moves the chess pieces around. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely has his shot. Looks like he's shooting to hope he doesn't miss too badly instead of like shooting a made it. He's like, he's like, I hope this is a good, I hope I just don't airball it. I hope I don't like smack it off the back. Just trying to put it on the rim. Yeah. Yeah. Just put it on there. I hope, it, I hope when this misses, cause it is going to miss. I hope it just hits the back of the rim. It looks like it was, you know, is one of those, one of yeah, those things. Going on. It's like, nah. just shoot the ball. It's going to go in. I think it's going to go in. And uh, even if you miss, yeah, keep shooting. And yeah, yeah I don't know. 
Yeah, they really and, need to see each other. I need Devonte Green and 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 Rob Finnessy to get in a room and just explain their mindsets to one another and try to find a way to like swap the approach to the game. And I think I, I think that's IU's problem. We need like a Freaky Friday situation with those. Yes. Or what was that when there was a movie called like Vice Versa or something with Judge Reinhold where they like yeah. flipped? Wow, throwing that's, it back. Yeah. <laughs> was not expecting to get a Judge Reinhold yeah. reference on this podcast, but or ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Weird things happen after. Well, yeah, the, the, the best part is you reference Judge Reinhold, and it had nothing to do with fast times at Ridgemont High. Like, no. That's what's crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, Mark, any did any particular moments? It's kind of the segment where we you know pick out little moments that maybe had a pivotal impact on the game or that kind of hint at some larger narrative. Anything jump out for you? I mean, honestly, and and I don't I don't mean to rub piss all in your wounds. Uh, I I kind of felt like this was over from the start. I could see Ohio State. Yeah. I th- I think it was the moment that Caleb uh, had a seal. I I want to say it was on Bronk. Um, it was probably really early in the game, and he sealed he sealed Joey Bronk, and they threw it over the top to him, and he laid it in. And I could just honestly, from that moment on, I thought Ohio State was going to win. And I know that's very easy to say in retrospect, but I just like th- this was a game that Ohio State had to win. Um, we needed this more than you guys did, believe it or not. Um, we we just, like I said, the only two wins Ohio State has had since December 21st, since Christmas, are Nebraska and Northwestern, which aren't even wins. They're, they're, those are basically like scrimmages that they put on TV. So um, as soon as Caleb like established position, we knew Caleb was going to have a big game. And then uh, th- th- that to me was was pretty much it. And then IU came out slow and, and we kind of jumped out to Bigley. And I was like, all right, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, there was never a moment where it felt like. Yeah. You know, yeah. Indiana yeah. I thought. Like I thought. Play. Yeah. Sir. I thought the first five minutes the teams were kind of feeling each other out, and I and I thought that, well, we haven't really. St- I thought Weston, obviously, as you said, it was clear early on he was going to have a good game. He just was. He was very focused, and I think he just knew the advantage being able to go inside out that he had on Brunk. You know that he was just going to turn. He was going to tie Brunk in knots, and that's what he did. Uh, but I, I felt like that first five minutes, they were kind of feeling each other out and you could, you could kind of see like, Oh, maybe Ohio state, maybe they, they won't shoot well today and they'll just, you know, fall apart in Indiana. I'll sneak away with a win. But yeah, after about the first five minutes, it, it really felt like Indiana had no shot. In this game. Well, you know, and when we could point out many moments, you know, where Ohio state ran a ball screen, Indiana hard hedged and things did not go well from there. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Mark, because, you know, we, we talk about the pack line a lot and it's easy to say like, well, you know, Virginia runs the pack line defense and they have a really good defense. And this is true. There's also a massive difference between, you know, Mamadi Diakite and Jay Huff hedging a ball screen guys who have great feet are quick, can get back, and Joey Brunk, who is never going to hurt you because of effort, but there are just some things that he's physically not very good at. Same with Deron Davis. I mean, I'm not sure that you could like design two players who seem less <laughs> less suited for hard hedges than the two of those guys. And Yeah, we and, discussed this many yeah, times and, on this show. And I get it. You know, Archie's trying to build the defense that he wants to play come hell or high water, yeah. and I understand that, but at some point, you know, there come points in games like today where you're guarding Caleb Wesson where it's like, can we try something different? Because it's not working. So this is the problem with the hard edge. This is the problem with um, and, and I love I'm I've been Virginia's biggest supporter forever. <laughs> when Virginia lost to, to to UMBC, I was still like, I'm, I'm riding with these guys. I, I, I love Virginia basketball. I love their style of play. But the one problem that they, they always run into defensively is, is, as you said, there's really no plan B. Um, and, yeah. and when things aren't working, you're just like, you just kind of stare at the clock and you're like, uh, we got, <laughs> we got 37 more minutes of this crap. Yeah. Uh, when you, especially in a game like today where you can tell right away that, that IU is going to have no answer for, for like Caleb, 
uh, Wesson. Um, there, there is no plan B and, and I don't, you know, it, it kind of depends on, on your, your philosophy of, of basketball and coaching and all that. Cause like on the one hand, like you said, you could say, well, Archie's going to just stick to his guns. This is his system. You, you know, you don't want to start throwing all sorts of things against the wall and, and cause that's, that creates a bunch of messes of its own. On the other hand, it is frustrating when over and over and over, you're like, Joey Bronk is not going to be a great ball screen hedger. He's, he's just not like, we have enough evidence. We've seen it. We, this is not going to work. Why do we continue to try this? Um, so I kind of see both sides and that's why I don't get paid to coach. That's why no one will hire me to be a coach because I don't have to. Um, but yeah, it's definitely frustrating. I mean, like I said, I will always kind of, kind of err on the side of giving Archie the benefit of the doubt, especially with the pack. Like, I think that is the one thing that, uh, that is going to end up being good. I think, I think like the defense, maybe not with this team, yeah. but um, eventually the pack line defense is going to, to bear itself out because I mean, that that's what like all the best defenses in college basketball. That's what you want is, is the pack line. Like it's, it's just perfectly suited for college basketball, especially as the three point line gets further away. Yeah. Like that is yeah. the, the one, the one Achilles heel for, for Virginia has always been three point shooting as teams get hot against them. They can't really like, spread out and, and and then offensively they're not built to come from behind yeah. too so yeah but as the three-point line is moving out like teams can't shoot as well and, and I, I think like the pack line is i think long term the pack line is is a great answer and is a great strategy uh it's just with this personnel I, well I get, that that's the issue is we're three years in and you don't have the personnel to run it yeah, you know you yeah. need you need more nimble big guys and frankly indiana needs guards that can keep ball handlers in front of him. Rob Finnessy is pretty good at it. Devontae Green can be okay at it when he wants to be. But, you know, Al Durham is a flat-footed defender. He's just slow laterally. Like, he's just not good at it. And Armand is going to be a good defender, but isn't there yet. He's a freshman. So, yeah, so that's well, the issue. Comes- when you struggle with ball pressure, you know, and you don't have big guys that are real mobile, you're going to have issues with the pack line defense. Well, this is this is going to become a problem, I fear, for Archie. Uh, is, is Tony Bennett has identified exactly the guys he wants to recruit. He knows exactly who he's going after. Um, and he's done a great job of it, obviously. And the, 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 the thing I fear is, is kind of a problem that Archie's brother has run into Sean, which is you're, you're living in both worlds where you're recruiting for the pack line, but you also want to recruit like the best players in the country. Yeah. And you want to recruit, like, it's a must. It's, it's very cool that Archie's landed two back to back, uh, uh, Mr. Basketballs, you know? And, and he's going to recruit – he's always going to recruit whoever the best players in Indiana are. He's going to get them. And that kind of has to happen without prejudice. Like whoever's the best player in Indiana, you have to get him, Archie Miller. We expect that as an Indiana fan base. And I'm not saying that Trace Jackson Davis isn't great in the past. I'm, it's not a I'm, – I'm just saying like the recruiting strategy. Like if you're Archie Miller, what is your recruiting strategy right now? Because you have to get the best players in the country. And, and, and IU fans want McDonald's All-Americans. But at the same time, you run this system where you need a certain type of personnel yeah. Um, and Tony Bennett has figured it out. He's figured it out to a science where he's, he doesn't mind going after like, like a guy like Deandre Hunter was not, uh, uh, he was a good recruit. He certainly wasn't like a can't miss five-star guy. And he became otherworldly for Virginia and, and Ty Jerome and even Kyle guy. I know that's a, that's a rough name for Indiana fans to hear. <laughs> Literally said, I wanted to go to Indiana. Um, oh, but boy. like, like Tony Bennett has identified kind of the talented guy, like where he wants to fall on that, that spectrum. And um, I, I feel the same way though, when you watch like Arizona play, cause like Sean runs the pack line as well. And, and it's, 
it's the personnel doesn't always fit and you have guys yeah, it's a parade of five stars down yeah, there, he's, yeah he's bringing in five stars and the other problem you run into is is you have more roster turnover like that's what arizona's problem is more often than not is he, he brings in the every bet every all the best players on the west coast they go to arizona for a year or two then they go pro um and the pack line you can't do that you got to have guys that are sticking around so that's going to be interesting to watch again i'm talking at like a macro level not necessarily this particular roster it's just uh it's going to be curious to see the, the 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 decisions made on the recruiting trail because I think the pack line can work, but you have to have the right personnel, and um, you know that ultimately falls on Archie as well because this is not the NBA. You do not have a GM that you can point to and say, "Make me a trade." Yeah. <laughs> yeah so until well, until the transfer rule changes, and then maybe you <laughs> yeah. Can. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, Ryan, any moments jump out to you? <clears throat> No, I think as I said, after the first five minutes, it just felt like that was going to be Ohio State's game. I mean, even with you know the announcers tried to make it seem interesting when Devontae Green hit that half quarter, you know, to say, "Oh, it's under nine. You got to feel good about where you're at if you're Indiana." <laughs> I did not feel good about where I was at if I was when I, you know, as an no. Indiana fan. So, uh, you know, only getting 22 points in the first half, you're not going to win on the road. Who were these announcers, by the way? Oh my God, they were horrible. Weren't they? I mean, and- <laughs> they were horrible. These guys were. Was this their first game? Who hired these guys? Where'd they come from? I don't like them. Uh, I'm kidding. J- Jason Benetti and the great Robbie Hummel. I have to say, uh, listening to Robbie Hummel do a game after two games of doing Seth Davis, having Seth Davis do color analysis, I, I can't even believe those two guys have the same nominal job because Robbie Hummel was so much better. Did you catch when Robbie uh, Benetti asked Robbie who was the big? Because Caleb, it was, it was a stretch where like Caleb Weston's just being physical and leaning oh, on man. guys like he always does. And uh, he, he asked Robbie who was the biggest guy you had to guard, and he says <laughs> White. Yeah. And then Robbie goes, "This this this hurt me as an Indiana fan." And I was I was playing at Ohio State at the time for the DJ White Eric Gordon team. But then Robbie goes on this long rant of, or tangent about how good that team was, just knowing he's twisting the knife in Indiana fans. I like, know. <laughs> Like the Kelvin Sampson team where like everything was rolling and then Sampson gets the rug pulled out from under him and, and Dockage takes over and all that. Uh, Robbie was just uh, like, yeah, that team was so, so good. You had Armand Bassett and Eric Gordon. And I was, I was, they, I they was were like top. Yeah. I and was waiting that, for him to just go, what happened? I wonder what happened to that yeah. team. But he's so <laughs> likable as he's saying way, it, you I know? Co- I covered that game for a local newspaper in Indiana. <laughs> so I remembered exactly what he was talking about. And I was like, oh, yeah. God, that team was so good. Um, all right. Well, it is the point in the show where we talk numbers. I do not want to belabor this because they're ugly. We already talked about the rebounding. We talked about the shooting, which was surprisingly good. But, you know, the big numbers that jump out to me, Indiana seven for 15 on layups. And there were so many layups when it was a 10 point game, an eight point game that if you make it, it's like, okay, maybe this can get Indiana going and they could just never make one of those. And then, you know, I think there's some numbers that you look at, you know, like you can look at this box score right now and you see that Devontae Green had 13 points, three or four from downtown, plus seven and plus minus. That is as misleading as anything. You know, I think Devontae Green has been the king of meaningless points against Ohio State, you know, dating back to two years ago when he, you know, Indiana gets down 20 and then he goes off for 20 points. It's fine. It's good to hit shots. And if he can carry it over, that's fine to see. But when the game was actually competitive such that it was Devonte was not a factor in the game. And so I do not put any stock. I, I, I put some stock into Indiana fighting and not letting a, a 18 point game become 30 because we've seen that, but you know, I don't, I don't put a, I don't give a whole lot of credit for the numbers that were racked up during that time. So that's somewhat hypocritical, I guess. Um, but that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to look at plus minus Devonte was the only person who was a plus yeah, and today, all that just late. don't. Just so, don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't do it. 
Any other numbers, Mark? Any numbers that and and the other one that's really bad is four offensive rebounds. This Indiana team shoots badly enough; they have to get offensive rebounds. And when you get four offensive rebounds and you turn the ball over thirteen times, your shot volume for a team that isn't a good shooting team, it's not nearly enough to win on the road. So that you know cooked Indiana's goose right there. That uh, that's what stood out to me was offensive rebounding. I thought Ohio State was uh, especially. I can't believe Kyle Young only had three rebounds. If I I can't believe I'm reading that right because it felt like he Kyle caused. Young- he caused a few team rebounds by like deflecting yeah, the ball into somebody because yeah, they had like five if, team rebounds. If you could give like a point system to like, if, if, if like great rebounds were worth like three rebounds in the stat sheet, I feel like Kyle Young would have had like 15 rebounds today. Cause it felt <laughs> like every single rebound he had was like jumping over three people or like, you know, yeah, it was just hustle, man. Yeah, yeah, he, just, hustle. he out hustled Indiana yeah. several times. Yeah. Tra- so, Trace got pulled in the second half. Cause Kyle Young just out hustled him for a rebound. Mm hmm. That's what yeah. stood out to me. So, yeah. yeah. Ryan, this is your no, favorite segment. Anything you yeah, want to talk no, about? I mean, we talked about rebound 31 to 24, getting out rebound, then 11 to four in the offensive glass. And, and uh, Mark's right. It, they just, it was, they were getting outworked. And, and again, we've, we've harp on this since the beginning of the show, but when you show up on the road and you don't put in the requisite effort, you're going to lose and you're going to look bad doing it. And Indiana looked bad doing it today. I mean, a couple guys showed some, life at times but it's not consistent you gotta have 40 minutes of effort to win in the big 10 or don't even show up i mean it's it's not even worth it showing up and and indiana didn't show up today the the last number i'll talk about you know trace jackson davis's day he led the team in minutes with 33 7.7 boards two assists three blocks like that's a decent enough stat line but I thought this was one of his worst games that he's played. He only took I thought, six shots, too. Yeah, and, and you know, in the first half, I agree the guards didn't get him the ball, but he also has some games where he just doesn't demand it and doesn't work hard enough to get open, and so I thought that was part of it. And the three blocks were really nice, but at least two of those came on plays where he was really slow to react defensively and just didn't have awareness. Fortunately, he's athletic enough to make up for it, and that's pretty important, you know, but he just seemed to be kind of like a half step off today. Like, it just it wasn't the same guy, the same high level of competitiveness we've seen. And Indiana's not good enough for their most talented player to kind of, you know, only have, you know, be in, you know, halfway, not not really fully engaged in the game. And so, you know, we've praised him a lot and rightfully so because he's been really good. But today I just didn't think he was quite up to the task. So Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I also think that, you know, on the road, a freshman in the middle of his freshman season, he needs yeah. somebody to help elevate him. And and just didn't get that. For I mean, sure. We've talk, again, the effort, the malaise of this team. I mean, that's gonna you're gonna see a freshman kind of wilt under that under that scenario because there's just no, there's nothing like pumping them up and getting them focused at home. You can get the the crowd can help you. Uh, you know, teammates can help you. Whatever. But on the road, I mean, it's it's just when everybody else is down, he's gonna play down. I think that's just the way you know it is for a freshman like that. That is a fair point. All right, uh, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to talk about handing out game balls. Not sure if we'll actually hand any out. Then we'll hit any other lingering storylines and then look ahead to what's next for Indiana with that big game Saturday against Purdue. Then it'll be time for last call. Stick with us here on the assembly call. and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. 
Thanks, Ethan. Sorry that Ryan is here today, so you can't listen. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and our special guest co-host today, Mark Titus talking about Indiana's loss to Ohio State. This is the time in the show, Mark, when we usually hand out our game balls. Ryan has already let me know that he is protesting and is not going to hand out a game ball today. <laughs> Which that has happened. There, there was a game this year that we did not hand out a game ball. Um, Ryan, do you want to? No, I'll leave. It, I'll leave it for you guys because I just. I mean, I, I. I just was so put off by the effort today that I don't know if I can hand one out. Mark, who gets you? Usually, we this is an Indiana game ball, but you know, okay. feel free to. No, well, no, I'll, I'll, I want to stick to the format. You know, um, I think, like as you said, like this was not uh, anything. I don't. I think in a perfect world, we would not be handing out game balls. But I'll, I'll give it to <laughs> Jerome Hunter. How about that? He's, he, yeah, he did have a little juice. Um, he, he coming off the the. This is his first game back, right? From uh, the, what he missed two games in a row. Was it one game? He, he, he was State. sick before the Penn State, the Penn State game. State. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, uh, he coming back playing playing for his hometown. Uh, he's from Pickerington, suburb of Columbus. Um, I, I felt like he kind of wanted to show out. It didn't. I think in his mind, he thought I'm going to come out and score thirty and and against Ohio State. It didn't exactly go that way. I think that's in his mind every game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he had he had nine points and and he was playing hard a little bit. Uh, again, I'm I'm, I'm grasping for straw. I'm trying to find something because yeah. it was. Grading on a curve here. It's no, fine. Jerome. I mean, Jerome is my pick too. I, oh, yeah, in fact, yeah. he's really the only nominee for me because you know yeah. I just didn't think. I mean, I know you know Rob ended up you know scoring eleven points, but you know certainly not a game ball worthy performance from your point guard. So Jerome uh, had a couple. Jerome tough would get mine too. Yeah. yeah, and and look, frankly, Jerome had some really bad defensive possessions in the first half. You know, so we should be fair. I mean, he, you know, but we talked about that. That's going to happen with a freshman. But, oh, by the way, someone in the chat uh, that's going along this, they want us to give a game ball to Mark for behaving yourself since we are on the radio. So some credit, <laughs> some credit to you. No, my, my, no, no swear words was my uh, um, my resolution for 2020. So I'm, oh, wow. That's yeah, Greg, luck. I found out that Greg Oden started a cameo account. So I decided uh, every time I swear on the air in any, in any capacity, I'm putting a dollar into a, a swear jar. And then I'm going to book Greg Oden cameo accounts where he scolds me for a for a cursing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect perfect yeah. way to spend that so, money. There that's you good. go. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more about Jerome because I think that's you know maybe the one storyline that we could dig into a little bit more. Obviously, a guy with a great you know a really good recruiting pedigree. Losing him last year was a big issue for this team. What do you see in him? Because I, you know, I still think that his development over the rest of the season is one of the most important things for this team, because he can be a huge part of this team getting more consistent offense and just having another, you know, talented player to count on that brings that enthusiasm to the game. And these the last two performances now against Maryland and today against Ohio State, you're starting to see it. Like, what yeah. what do you see as his potential well, this year and no, long term? I mean- yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that's where where Archie's found himself is he's just looking for for energy. He's looking for scoring. I think those are the two things is, is guys that that can consistently bring it. Um, you know, he he he's not without his faults, as you said. Uh, we 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 covered that defensive lapses, that kind of stuff. But um, no, I I he he's he was highly thought of for a reason. I know Ohio State fans were were kind of scratching their heads as to how he he slips out of Columbus, Ohio, and, and goes to IU. Um. But 
you know, I, I, I think uh, th- that's where Archie finds himself with, with Jerome Hunter. Um, I, I, I don't really, I, I, I think you're just searching at this point for anybody that wants to be there and anybody that can score. And um, he, he's playing well right now. So, yeah. What, what would you do? Like lineup wise, like what's the five, the, the, the five man Indiana lineup that you feel confident in when they're out? Oh there? my God. Sorry, I know it's kind of an impossible question, but that's Ryan. Like, Why do I? Have to well, because because Ryan's on here all the time. We all we always get Ryan's opinions. I'll give you my five. Uh, it would be Jordan Holes at the one. Uh, Robert- <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be pretty confident in that team. You put yeah. Chris Watford out there, maybe Zeller. Uh, you just listed off all the people who do cameo, who do who do uh, yeah, right. intros uh, for our show. Yeah, did. <laughs> I mean. I think my so, I have a love like every other Indiana fan. I I, I struggle with tr- how much I like Devonte. Um, my dad is my dad is a senior citizen, so obviously he hates Devonte Green. I think that's a, <laughs> part for the course for every 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 guy older than sixty years old in the state of Indiana thinks he turns the ball over too much and takes stupid shots. Um, but you know this team, they just need like as I keep saying, they just need like a shot in the arm offensively. And when he gets going, like he did against Florida State, I have to remind my dad about that all the time. Like he, this man, like single handedly won the game against Florida State, who is a top ten team and and, and doing pretty well. Um, so I think I want him out there, uh, which is I guess you know obviously you want I want Fantasy, I want Devonte Green. I Your want, game ball has been taken away by the fans in the chat, mom, for saying that. <laughs> I'm so yeah I know I'm I, this is the hardest question I think I've ever been asked on the air. Why did you not prepare me for this? Why did I not get like a heads up like hey it's, by the it's way a, it's an ambush gotcha that. question. I mean it's Jeez. it's a hard I mean, question. We want fantasy. We want Trace Jackson, Jay Davis. I think those are those are definite. Um, I want Devonte Green because I I believe in in the best in people. I do not see the worst. I do not want uh your life is not dictated by your worst moments. I, I believe. Wow, that's that's an uplifting moment on this. Show. <laughs> I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. So uh, I, I he's I, clearly I, the most talented scorer on the team. There's no question. It's um, just about getting consistency. Mm-hmm. I like Joey Brunk obviously because uh, when Joey Brunk against Michigan State shows up, that's magical. That is just a magical yeah. experience for everybody. Uh, as you said, he's not been playing well recently. I think he was checking Twitter a little too much after the Michigan State game. Um, and then I'll throw Al in there just because he's, he's technically the best shooter on the team, right? Like statistic-wise yeah. for three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Like he, I, I don't want to rip on him too much because I think he, he, he it's easy because he's the upperclassman and, and – uh, I think some part of you does want to see more from him, but um, I, I think he's being asked to do too much a lot of times, like uh, from, yeah. from the fans in general. Like, I think he's like a guy who's like, I, I never, I never came to IU thinking I was going to be the face of the franchise or like the, the senior leader of a team or anything. So like, I don't know why you guys are expecting this from me. Um, I think he's, I think he's a role guy who can play his role pretty well. And the problem is, is IU needs some, some guys that are just like stars and they really don't have any right now. So that's that is really well said. I mean that yeah. that has especially been an issue with the guards. And look, part of this goes back to the decision in the offseason to not bring in another guard and to roll with these four guys. But you've had injuries to Rob, injuries to Devontae Green, inconsistency, and it does feel like almost all of those guys is playing one peg up from where he should be. You know, yeah, right. it's like it's like you know it's like if Romeo comes back and he's your star guard. Now everybody else can kind of settle into where they should be, and everybody's playing up, and they haven't. You know, in the offseason, we talked ourselves into them taking that next step, and it, you know, it just hasn't happened. And you are right that it is important for fans to remember that and not place an unfair expectation on a guy if he's in a spot that is difficult for him. 
you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, Al was a three-star recruit with a lot of limitations. You know, it's not like this is a this was a five-star guy. He was a guy that needed to develop. Now he had some some nice tools to work with, but you know, at some point he's going to hit his ceiling, and and maybe we're there. We don't, you know, I mean, it's that's the thing about when you bring in some of these guys. And and my Mark's right. You got to pick guys who are right for your system, and also balance that with finding the best players. Because at some point, you know, you need a Romeo Langford because you need a scorer on the team. You, you know, regardless of of how he fits, you need a scorer. You need someone like that. Obviously, you're going to go after Romeo Langford. He was an Indiana guy who could score like crazy. But and he was whether, really good you know, last year. And he was great last year. And and so it's about he's right. And and some of these guys, you know, Archie Miller was hired really late in the process comes in and there's a recruiting class already in. Do I think that he would have taken all of those guys if he was starting from scratch with recruiting? Probably not, but he, you know, he was up against the wall and he probably had the idea of, well, I can try and mold these guys as best I can, or I can start from scratch and recruit guys, you know, most of whom are already committed, you know? So I think that he had to make a decision with some of that. He made a decision, obviously, to keep the guys who are already on the team and um, you know, whether or not he, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, he probably was confident that he could get more out of those guys. And maybe he hasn't, maybe those guys never, never turn a corner, but you have to make those decisions as a coach. And, and, you know, he probably knew as much as we did at that point, whether or not he could do it. It was just the confidence in the coach and, and the staff. And I, I think what I've seen from their development of the younger guys gives me hope that, you know, he'll be able to do it with his own guys that he brings in and sells with his vision. Uh, but it, you know, the, the upperclassmen, again, it's just, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. And, and again, you have to look back and think, would Archie Miller have recruited this guy? What do you have recruited this guy? Yeah. What do you have recruited that guy? Well, here's the, uh, cause they don't fit. Here's a great barometer for, for the dilemma of, of recruiting that Archie found himself in. If Caleb Swanigan is a junior in, in high school right now, is Archie Miller recruiting him? Because if, if Caleb Swanigan's coming out of high school right now, um, as, as we're talking about the pack line defense, that is not a guy that's going to be hard hedging ball screens. And no. That is not a guy that, that you want running. But at the same time, Caleb Swanigan is Caleb Swanigan. We all know how good he is. He was Mr. Sometimes Master. you make the exception. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you do? Because then if you miss on Caleb Swanigan, you just don't recruit him. IU fans are losing their minds and they're like, how could you not go after Caleb? But then you, you bring him in, and he's not he's not playing great defense. What you know, and Archie's like trying to run a system, but the, he doesn't really fit into the system. Um, those sorts of things are 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 going to be interesting because uh, I, I find that fascinating as as kind of time goes by in the Archie Miller era, and time will go by. By the way, I know a lot of people are uh, are are. Yeah. I know you aren't that dumb, but uh, you know, <laughs> we're dumb, but we're not uh, that dumb. Yeah, <laughs> Look, Archie, Archie could miss the tournament this year. He's still coming back next. Yeah, year. he's still like, get another year. You yeah. know, he's yeah. and and you know, Look, I think I mean, he's going to be here this five season, years minimum. You know, I, I got asked on the radio yesterday. It's like, you know, what are your thoughts overall? How how things are going? It's like things are fine. You know, like basically things are exactly at the beginning of the season. If you said, where does Indiana need to be right now to feel okay about things? 15 and 7, 5 and 6, and you're going back home with all the holes that this team has. Most of us probably would have taken that. So it's fine. Like, we're in the midst of a bad stretch. We haven't proven we can do things on the road. There are clear deficiencies, like obvious deficiencies, but we're still okay and on track for the tournament. And I think everybody would say that's a success. Now, we have to get there. You know, nothing is guaranteed, but 
Things are fine, I, and it would represent for, the third straight year of progress under Archie, albeit slowly and you know more slowly than everybody hoped, but progress nonetheless. Jared, say, fa- say things are fine one more time. We, you, might, you might actually believe for, Hey, things are fine. They're fine. Everything's fine. For fans of The Wire, right now it's a 40-degree day. All right? Yeah, it is a 40-degree day. It's not... It's not a 30 degree day where we're upset and it's not a 50 degree day where we're almost barbecuing, but it's a th- it's a 40 degree day right now. By the way, my my favorite of all the like tweets that have come out about, you know, about Kobe since he passed away was someone tweeted, you know, Kobe rolling up to the uh rolling up to the to the pickup games in heaven and it was the shot of Omar from The Wire uh-huh. where all the kids just go like <laughs> scattering around and he's got the gun. I thought yeah. that is uh that is pretty much perfect. Um all right, so coming up, we have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday, and then we're gonna be in Bloomington. So we're getting in Friday night. We will be there for the IU Purdue game on Saturday, and then we're doing a live post-game show at Switchyard Brewery. Uh probably start about an hour after the game because we have to get out and you know hurry over there. So if you're gonna be in Bloomington, let us know. We'd love to meet you at the game. We'd love to meet you at Switchyard Brewery. That's gonna be a really, really fun time. Mark, what are your expectations for that game? Because Purdue has been, I mean, maybe the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the country in terms of the splits between home and road. Uh, you know, I'm going to be entering that game with some confidence because of that. But as Ryan said, anything can happen in a rivalry game. So Purdue, Purdue is officially the best team in the country that doesn't win. Um, they, <laughs> That's a good call. Can, Ken Palm loves them. Uh, what are they, like 11 and 10 or something? Or I, I, I haven't, I, they were yeah. at one point. Um, and they're like 24th on Ken Palm or something like that. I don't know. Uh, who knows? This is this is college basketball as a whole, and it makes it fun, but it makes it really frustrating for for guys like us that have to do this for a living and kind of yeah. offer up opinions and all that kind of stuff. Who the hell knows? Who knows going into any game what's going to happen? <laughs> we don't. Devonte Green might score 45 against Purdue. He might kick the ball into the stands and like quit at halftime. Like I, I, I've reached the point where like, I, I really don't know. I feel confident that it's at home. As you said, home teams in the big 10 have been playing a lot. Uh, obviously it's every single broadcast you watch in big 10 basketball, they, they're hammering the stats and how hard it is to win on the road this year. Um, I, I, I like Indiana's chances. I think, I think Indiana has the better team than Purdue to be honest with you, but, uh, mostly it's at home and, and that seems to be like worth 10 points in big 10 games this year. So it really does. It really does. Uh, all right. Remember, because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you will find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com, use that promo code ASSEMBLY20, get 20% off your entire order. Gentlemen, it is time for last call. Ryan, why don't you go first? Your final thoughts on another Indiana road loss. Yeah, I think all three of us sort of summed it up the same way. It's just when you when you have a lack of focus and effort on the road, you, you're not going to win in the Big Ten. And, and Indiana just had a lack of focus and effort. And the issue isn't today. It's that we've seen that repeatedly this season and in the past couple of seasons. So I jokingly once said, maybe Archie should just change up what they do when they go on the road. And the only road game they've won was against Nebraska, where because of a snowstorm, they arrived the day of the game. And didn't have all their pregame stuff. <laughs> you know, it's worth thinking about. I'm Archie. thinking playing I, Nebraska know, I, had the bigger, <laughs> the bigger maybe, issue to do that. But you know what? I like thinking that I'm right. So uh, <laughs> we're just going to ignore that part of it. Um, but no, uh, I just there's something that goes on with this team on the road, and and it as 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 Mark pointed out, it's happening all over college basketball this year, and it's happening certainly all over the Big Ten. So 
you just you want to just see the effort. I don't care if they lose on the road because everybody's losing on the road. I want to win, but if they lose, at least want to see that effort, and I at least want to see that intensity. <clears throat> And I at least want to see a guy like Joey Brunk leading from the front. I want to see, you know, Rob Finnessy showing some confidence and trying to up, like lift up his team. And, and, you know, you know what I really want to see? I want to see somebody grab the rest of the players in a huddle and try and fire them up and, and try and guide them and stuff. And you just don't see that leadership from IU. Everybody is looking towards Archie. They're not looking to any guides on the floor to sort of focus everybody and get everybody, you know, uh, to take their game up a level. And and that's to me, a pretty big indictment of where this roster is. So, you know, I, I somebody has got to step up at some point because, because things just are going in a bad direction for this team. Uh, hopefully the week off gives them a chance to just sort of recenter refocus uh, because, you know, they need it right now, certainly on a three game losing streak. Mark last call. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my Ohio State thing and just say first I'm gonna get the Ohio State part out of the way and say this was uh, much needed. We uh, I'm very very happy that Ohio State got the W. Um, I I cannot thank Archie enough for for coming back to Ohio State where he was an assistant and and very kindly he he identified he knew he knew what was going on he knew that we needed the win more than IU did and he said here you guys go take the win um, which is why I think he gave up in the second half and just sat on the bench and it was like this was the plan all along. Uh, all right, so my IU, my IU perspective is this. My my final thought is this. Uh, I think this team is frustrating as hell, just like every other Indiana fan. But I think the problem with Indiana basketball, and and this is you know since Bob Knight was fired, it, it's no secret. Can we get back on track? Can IU ever get back to what they were? Um, it feels like people want to hit the panic button too quickly, and this isn't even this isn't even me defending Archie Miller. It's just me defending the idea of patience of like seeing the bigger picture of like pulling out and instead of looking at three game losing streaks and saying, okay, now we got to try something new. Um, just kind of take a step back, examine the whole landscape of college basketball. Notice that yes, there are a lot of problems with IU, but there are a lot of problems with everybody. Um, and, and is, is sort of the, the plan falling into place. And I don't know if it is or not, but I don't think, uh, I don't think losing a three in a row in the big 10 this year is cause for like mass hysteria, panic, like, Oh my God! Indiana is never going to win a national title. We're never going to a Final Four again. Um, it could happen this year, honestly. Like it, it would not surprise me. I really, genuinely mean this. If this Indiana team made the Final Four this year, I would not be shocked. I would be surprised. I would not be like, "How did that happen?" Um, because that's just the year we're having. So I think uh, I think the direction of the program is is fine, just in the sense of like college basketball as a whole is in a really weird place, especially with like all the the the, the player likeness type stuff like who knows what's going to come of that how um how that's all going to shake out and if that'll help indiana uh because indiana is an adidas school now i'm just saying like adidas kansas has some problems right kansas is a kansas is going to get hard adidas is going to want to funnel their money somewhere i'm just trying to you know connect some dots here um not saying just saying i'm just saying the cash yeah there we go um (laughs) So as I'm as I'm stepping back and looking at the big picture, like I'm not, I, I think there's a path to to like an upward trajectory, but no one wants to hear that when you're on a three game losing streak. Because it's, but you know, like I, I, it's just weird because like my my dad will call me. My dad's like calling me during the show, like wanting to complain about Indiana. I have to tell him <laughs> like, Dad, it's not it's not the '80s. It's not the night. Like college basketball's changed. Yes, Indiana is. You know, they're 15 and seven now. That's not great. We're not gonna we're not gonna applaud that. But let's just calm down and, and see the bigger picture here. Um, so that's that's my final thought. But again, I said I'm an optimist. I'm a guy who believes in Devontae Green. So <laughs> take my opinion with the greatest salt. 
Uh, no, I, uh, you know, I echo a lot of what Mark said, you know, it's, I think for a lot of us, what we wanted to see after an encouraging two game homestand against Michigan state and Maryland, despite the way that that Maryland game ended was okay. Is this team now ready to take the next step on the road? And even if you don't win, do you compete and do you play better? And the lesson that we learned this week is that the answer to that is no. And so, you know, what does that mean moving forward? Well, Indiana has four more road games. They play at Michigan, at Minnesota, at Purdue, at Illinois. Certainly, Purdue and Illinois, you know, seem like extremely tough places to win because of just how those teams have played there and, and how good Illinois seems to be this year. Michigan and Minnesota both seem like winnable games. Seem like winnable games. But when you see the performances that Indiana puts out at Penn State and at Ohio State, you know, winning on the road feels next to impossible. So, you know, they're going to have to get better on the road, but they have five more home games. And if they win their home games and they finish with 10 wins in conference play and they get to 20 victories overall, this team's going to the tournament. And so as frustrating as these last few games have been, things are still okay. And, and Indiana is still essentially right where they need to be. Now they got to go home and take care of business. They got to beat Purdue and this Iowa team has been playing much better. And, you know, it's February. So the Fran February fade could be in effect and hopefully it starts then, but it hasn't yet. And so these are going to be two tough games. But now what Indiana has done by losing the Maryland game and then losing these two road games like they did is they've given themselves no margin for error. And so they've got to come out. They've got to win these two games. I think it's fair to be confident that they can do it. But, you know, now we got to see this team go out there and do it. So a disappointing effort in Columbus. Uh, but now Indiana has a week off. You know, saw a tweet from Zach Osterman quoting Archie in the postgame press conference. And every season, the story's never written until the end. But we're going to have to change paths here and change how we're playing. Echoes kind of what he said after the Northwestern game. And we saw Indiana, you know, play for the next four or five games much better. So maybe this is one of those kind of turning points where have a couple bad games, turn things back around, start building some positive momentum. That's certainly uh, the best thing that can come out of these last two games. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Thursday night and then on Saturday at Switchyard Brewery for the Purdue game. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Can your mom bring some tiramisu? Ryan? <laughs> she's not bringing uh, tiramisu on the plane she's not guys. bringing tiramisu coach will be disappointed. hey mark are you guys going to gonna do maui again next year yeah oh yeah 100 okay good yeah. we'll you be out going? there awesome well i'm i'm definitely gonna be out there Ryan will Jared, be here. Yeah. i'm thinking about it yeah oh, so i've done that i've done that tournament seven times for work with quotes around it yeah it's it's like stealing it's so it is great. the best i've been to maui twice before but obviously not for the tournament and uh um experiencing the tournament with the mat like it's it's because the basketball is the best ever like i you know yeah. i'm an indiana guy i love like a sweaty gym small like, gym like small, yeah. yeah it's like great and then you go outside <clears> and it's the you're literally in paradise it's i know unbelievable I it's my favorite sporting like experience it, it really yeah is. yes yeah i told i called my mom and the dad and brother i told them you guys all have to come out next year so i think my my dad and brother are both iu grads i think they're coming out um and Carolina is going to be there. So Tate is going to want to go out too. Um, 
So we are hundred percent going to be there. Yeah. Nice. nice. I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys out to dinner or something. We'll, That'd be great. Yeah. Do a nice, a good time. But That's it's, awesome. it, yeah, the thing about Maui and, and I know some of our listeners are considering going and it's, if you can afford it, I know it's, it's expensive, but if you can afford it, it is such a great experience because a, all the coaches and players are kind of chill because it's early in yeah. the season. It's, but once they get on the court, it's like high energy, but they're having fun. Cause it's not like the final four where if you lose, right. it's over. It's like this kind of it. So the basketball is really fun and you're right on top of them. It's a high school gym. You're right on top of them. And then again, like you said, you walk outside, even if your team loses, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to the beach. Right. That's, right. You know, that's the rest of my day. <laughs> I'll take it. So. I'll take it a step further. I'd say, even if you can't afford it, sell a kidney, get out there. Man. Yeah. <laughs> find a way. Like, you have an extra child. You're not, yeah. you're not sold on yet. Just get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> No, it, it it was it was awesome. I was the uh, I was there for the Kansas State final this year, which is mm-hmm. I, I still think it's the game of the year in college basketball. From, yeah, uh, that was a great one. It was unbelievable. It went to overtime. Obi Toppin was insane. Um, Kansas ended up winning. It's 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 I can't. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's I, I like it more than the Final Four. Honestly, it's, it's more fun to me than the Final Four. So um, I'm with you. Yeah, it's about as as glowing of an endorsement as I can leave. Are well, you in LA now? Yeah, I'm in LA. Yeah. Okay, yeah. wasn't sure. Yeah, I actually didn't watch a second of the game today. I was out surfing all day. So, <laughs> as a Southern California guy, now you were, yeah. he's he's right. a fellow Southern right. California guy now. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Uh, so, for those of you still listening, make sure that you subscribe. Search for Titus and Tate. Subscribe to their podcast. It was you know it was rough there for a few weeks when it was gone, but now it's back, which is good. Uh, you guys, you guys really do an incredible job on that show. Yeah, I know. I, I've emailed you before, but there yeah. there is such a delicate balance between like calling out college basketball for all of the absurdity, but then embracing it with two arms because you love it. And you guys do a really good yeah. job balancing. I will that, say you, know? you, you, you said that to me one time and that was the greatest compliment I ever got was, was that because I think that is the essence of the show is like, it's, um, you know, like another analogy I'd use is I, I, I spent a lot of time in Ohio and people from Cleveland hate Cleveland. They'll make fun of Cleveland all the time. But the second someone not from Cleveland makes fun of Cleveland, they'll <laughs> rip them to shreds. I feel like we're like, college basketball is Cleveland and we're from Cleveland. Like we will make fun of college basketball and all the absurdities and like the dumbest stuff, but we want to make it clear that like we are a part of this group. We love it. We, yeah. this isn't like an outsider. This yeah. is like holier than thou, like NBA guy with a blue check mark on Twitter, like calling NCAA basketball slavery. And you're just like, you know, dude, what, what are you talking about? Like you don't even care, you know, like guys like fly in and they watch like one game. And they're like, this is unwatchable. This is the worst. And the players aren't getting paid. This is an atrocity to America. And you're like, dude, get the hell out. I'm not one of those guys when I make fun <laughs> yeah. of it. You know? I, I, no, it's clear you guys life. love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, when you, when you we have to get cool. Yeah, that was my favorite compliment we've ever gotten. We have to get cool. Tate on one time just to get him to do the Coach K impression because we always <laughs> talk about his Coach K impression on here. Yeah. And we just need yeah. the audio clip. Anytime we talk about Coach K, it's oh, man. He won't do a walking it skeleton with a hairpiece. We've got lots of drops of Ryan saying saying yeah. things about Coach K. <laughs> oh my, that's former Indiana assistant Coach K. Yeah, I know it is. He's one of us. One of us. Don't <laughs> yes, make fun of him. <laughs> you can't you can't rip on him. He's uh, one of us. Yeah. One oh, of us. God. Shoot. Gosh. Uh, you see, Michigan State lost. It was they did. Did they end they up losing back, that they, game? They came back. Wow. They were down two at one point, but uh, Wisconsin hit some shots late. I've got it on in the background. Wow. Was geez, that is a big win for said. Wisconsin. Yeah, Man, huge. But I mean, that, like I've been saying, like that's that's the Big Ten this year. Is like it's it's so annoying. You have no idea what the hell's happening. You have no. Just when you think you have a narrative, you're like, oh, okay, sweet, Wisconsin, <laughs> the sky's falling. We can now 
watch everything unravel in Madison. This will be fun to cover. Well, Ohio State. Yeah, what the hell? Considering what Ohio State was dealing with this week, they played really they, like they played focused. I mean, it took them a couple minutes, but they played focused a while. I think the backcourt played really well, you know, with what they're dealing with DJ Carton, and uh, which obviously hope DJ is okay. And shoot, they they you know. they said we like I think like half of our roster is injured in some way, and they're like playing through injury. Everyone is at this point of the season. Yeah, like, like everything I hear out of the, every everybody I'm talking to is just like everyone's banged up, everyone's tired, everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh it's beginning of February. Way, yeah, you know. By the way, DJ Carton's gone for God knows how long. So uh, anyway, good luck this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, luckily for IU, they have a week off to get Race Thompson back because that yeah. guy was just he's important against Purdue. Yeah, yeah, he was just yeah. starting to break through, man. I, I love he and and Hunter will give me hope for like improvement of the roster. It's just like they have they do things that other guys don't do, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Well, Mark, thank you. We really appreciate you coming on. We'll have to yeah, man. do it again next year. Hopefully, Indiana wins one of these. Has Indiana ever yeah. won one of these games? Indiana has won. I remember one year. Um, so because it, it was the last year I was I cared about. NFL like I still watch the NFL but it was the last year I was a fan I I'd grown up a Vikings fan because my dad uh my dad went to IU he was roommates with Butch Carter who's Chris Carter's brother right um so my dad was like babysitting Chris Carter when Chris Carter was like six or seven or whatever uh so fast forward when I'm growing up the Colts are terrible right before they get Peyton um and my dad, we'd throw on NFL games. And my dad's like, yeah, Chris Carter, I used to babysit him. And I was like, well, I'm going to cheer for that guy. That seems cool. Sure. So I would watch a lot of Vikings games. I became a Vikings fan. And I remember we did a show. It might have been the first time I ever came on here. Um, when when Blair Walsh blew the, cli- blew the kick. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that. He blew the kick right after Indiana had beat Ohio State. And Ohio State had like a pretty decent – it was like Indiana and Ohio State were both pretty good to where it was like – the Ohio State loss hurt, and then I watched Blair Walsh blow the kick, and I was like, "I'm done with NFL forever. Like, I can't watch this." Is yeah, much. I remember that on the show. You just kept mentioning like yeah. how depressed yeah. you were. I was like, "This is the worst day of my life," and I have to do this <laughs> stupid show. And by the grace of God, I've come back. I can't believe it. You know? I feel we're, like we're very lucky you have, my friend. Oh man, so, yeah, we definitely lost that one. I do remember that vividly. <laughs> okay, so so last thing before you get off here, because we have all these you know players doing these these little intros and outros for us. Do you want to do a little keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers? Well, you uh, you yeah. don't want to say go Hoosiers though, I could, probably. I could say go Hoosiers. Keep we can do it. Ta- yeah, rim. take it from me, Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers, and then we can use it at the end of the show. Yeah. Okay. I'll tr- I'll try it. You want me to go right now? Mm-hmm. All right. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Awesome. That's all right. But right? you, James Blackman Jr., Yogi we, Ferrell. You could just perfect. do like 10 minutes of me doing take after take of this, and that'd be great. Right? <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> and then just play all the bad ones. Ah, or you, can, you, can do another, you can do one like Ethan Happ and just say that you like doing the show, but not when Ryan's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't listen. I love, I love that. That was hilarious. Yeah, because <laughs> straight up do not listen to this. So I used to always talk about Ethan Happ traveling. How he just would drag his poo yeah. around every time he was in the post. And, yeah. And so they've interviewed him. They they got a couple cameos from him being like, no, I, after my freshman year, I never traveled. It's like, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, what's up, Brian? Ethan here. I heard that you were a hater towards my post moves throughout my career at Wisconsin. Um, I know that you think I traveled on basically all my possessions in the post. But I'm here to tell you that I stopped doing it. I don't do it anymore. And I'm sorry to break the bad news, but that's not the case. The refs would have called it. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure they would have. Big Ten refs are great. I'm <laughs> sure. It's he a was a good sport, though. We appreciate yeah. we appreciate if him. If you don't call it, it's not a travel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't fault that logic. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, thank you, man. We really appreciate it. And appreciate uh, look it, forward man. to listening to your show for the rest of the season. And hopefully Indiana does some stuff to be relevant enough to get on there. That's that's the worst part about listening to national yeah. podcasts is Indiana is so rarely mentioned anymore. Well, you know, I appreciate that you don't chime in and tell me I have to talk about Indiana. You're you're better than uh, everyone else who like <laughs> only wants to hear about their team. And if you're not talking about their team, I you hate their team. Clearly. Well, yeah. Yeah. the irony They're, is, I actually listen. Yeah. I mean, we you know we do so many shows and we talk IU so much. There's there's a part of me that actually enjoys like listening to college basketball Getting talk that isn't about yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Um, so I want to say that I, I just gave IU a shout out on the recent show we did. Did you see? Uh, they took my idea. Um, to, to recreate the shot, uh, I had this idea. I, I pitched it to Ohio State, and Ohio State said, please leave us alone. Please please do not talk to us ever again. Um, to do historic shots, instead of doing like a half-court shot for, you know, $100 or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. You recreate like a shot from history. So I, I pitched it to Ohio State. I was like, do the Matt Sylvester shot against Illinois. Do the Mike Conley floater against Wisconsin. Like, I just had all these shots. And then uh, I said that on a podcast one time, and I think one of the marketing people at IU heard it, and like they decided to start doing it, and they did the Watford shot. Yeah, the Watford shot. shot. That's Michigan that was State, your, that's right? awesome. Yeah, I was so excited. They actually asked me to come do the first one. They wanted to kick the thing off with me, and um, they're like, "We want you to pick a shot and do it." And I was like, "That is the most nerve wracking thing." <laughs> no I've pressure, ever. Mark. I mean, my you guy, could be the guy who dribbles and hands off to Christian. Yeah, Mark. you could yeah, be Verdell. Yeah, yeah. But, let, let Tate be Christian. I was nervous for two reasons. One, like I have to make the shot, but two, I felt like picking the shot was very important to, uh, so that'd be my question to you guys is what shot would you pick? Because I, I was stressing so much over like, which, like I wanted to seem cool. Like I didn't like the Watford shot. Listen, it's a great it's shot. The obvious one. It, yeah. But it's the obvious one. It's, I wanted to be like. For current it, fan it, engagement, it that would probably be the one. Cause it's going to get people going. You've got the full court. Like if you want to appreciate the subtleties of like the pass, you would go with the Keith Smart, and someone could be Daryl right. Thomas and make the the greatest pass in IU history. Um, you know, those. If you're who, just going to do it with a single person, you could do Yogi's shot against Iowa that sealed the, the Big Ten back. the the Big Ten title. Because you'd want to do something recent so the young there kids was, get uh, into it. Oladipo hit a shot from the top of the key against Temple to advance them. You know, I mean, that you could do like yeah. fun things like that. Uh, who was the one who hit the? Was it Odell who hit the? Um, Against Michigan State as time no, expired. No, Haston. Kirk Haston. That, that would be a good Haston one. at the Michigan State one, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do, my two ideas were... That was I before to, Ryan's time. Was it I wanted to do It, it was Tom, very before. The Tom Coverdale, uh, when he goes coast to coast, misses the layup, and then falling out of, gets his own rebound, is falling out of bounds and throws it to Jeffries. I just wanted to do the pass. I wanted to do the Coverdale, yeah. like dribble coast to coast, leave it short on purpose, get the rebound, and then falling out of bounds, throw it to Jeffries. Um, that he did against Duke in 02. Uh the other idea I had was to do the Jordan Morgan miss layup that gave Indiana the Big Ten title. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, the other one, the other one that would would be good yeah. is you can go back to Jay Edwards in the '89 season, and he's got the shot over the backboard against Illinois, the three to beat Michigan, oh, yeah. and there was one more. Like there were three straight games that he hit like a last second shot, so you could basically make somebody make all of those shots and then realize how ridiculous of a shooter Jay yeah. Edwards was. Yeah, that'd that would be, be fun uh, too. Jeez, I mean, the, we need to do all of these. These would all be know, great. Great, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> Carter hit a shot to beat Purdue in the NIT back in the back in the day in the, in the NIT title game. There's a lot of them, man. But uh, anyway, IU did that. Uh, Kentucky fans were pissed off because 
it was the Watford shot, but uh, I'm excited. I, I think that's a cool idea, and I hope they I hope they keep doing. That's it. I hope cool. They do other shots, that's awesome. So. Um, anyway, I can let you guys go. We we, no, we shoot. We could we could talk We're all day long. Go, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy uh, that California sunshine, my friend. Yeah, it's yeah. a pleasure. Where Where are you guys at, Jared? You're I'm in Dallas, San Diego. Right? I'm in Dallas. You are in San Diego, Ryan. Yeah, I grew up here and moved to Indiana. Went to IU and then moved back about five years ago. Have oh, not regretted man. it since. Oh my God! Let's go to San, San Diego, Diego chicken. Come down, go to San Diego State. Go to a state yeah, game with me. We, sh- we should go to a state game. What are we doing? We awesome! Uh, I just I just tweeted about you. Just follow me and we'll DM. All right, sweet, <clears throat> done and done. All right, cool. cool guys. Good to talk to you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Good. See you in Maui. Yep. See ya. <laughs> Bye, everybody. To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets on our auto policy at no extra charge, we're making a really cute pet-themed radio commercial. You got to see this dog. It's a little puffball. It looks like a piece of cotton candy that I could just eat up. Oh, and it waddles when it walks. He's a little ducky dog. Oh, I wish you could see it. We really should have planned this better. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.